1: We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Anthem Health Plans, Inc.
2: Of mind, it is Friday. My name is Laura Bradburn, and I'm joined by Alan Morrison and Jim Moore. Apologies, I'm the one holding the crowd up today. Uh, I was a bit uh, a bit late, so um, and hopefully Brian will be joining us once he's logged in as well. Jim, how are you doing?
3: Good, I've been out all morning, so I'm freezing, so heating's up full blast.
2: Indeed, it. <laughs> indeed, it was uh, <clears throat> pretty chilly last night, I have to say. I, could, I had to ignore the cost of living crisis and crank the heating up. I thought I'm no suffering through this. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. Alan, how are you doing?
4: Yeah, yeah, same. Pretty pretty chilly down here. A uh, little little walk, afternoon walk just curtailed because uh, it was too slippy. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's uh, like you say, the, the heating keeps kicking on because it's just too cold, basically. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone's yeah. keeping warm.
2: It is indeed quite treacherous out there, so... Uh, yeah, everybody be careful. Anyway, plenty to discuss Celtic-wise. Um, uh, primarily uh, hitting the headlines today, or yesterday really, was the rumoured imminent departure of Idiguchi from Celtic, presumably headed back to his native Japan, if rumours are to be believed. Um, Jim, I'll come to you first on this one. Um some might say it's a bit of an inevitability considering the lack of impact that he's had, the run of injuries and bad luck that he's had. Did you think he was going to eventually find find his way at Celtic or was it one of those situations where, you know, um, it, it was an inevitability that he was going to be heading out?
3: I think only Angel know if he's heading out or not. Brian, hello. Hello, Brian. <laughs> Aye, I think only Angel know whether he's heading out or not. I've been loads of stories in the paper in the past Few weeks with the World Cup, you know, and Yakimakis and Yuranovich and all that nonsense. So, if it happens, it happens. I think, uh, in terms of the lad himself, I think he's been unfortunate. You get that horrendous injury at Aloha, uh, one moment can change your career. You know, John Mm. Kennedy. John Kennedy we know about that. He's not really had a chance. I don't think that's anyone's fault. Uh, I think people were saying, all of the Japanese guys were coming and he was the best. So, until you actually see the guy, you don't know. And I think, uh, I think in those kind of circumstances it'd be good to see him again and loan to another SPFL club so we can see what he can do because uh, we don't know what he can do I and mean, we could be letting you know, a very really good player go. On the other side of that Ange sees him in training every day and training is meant to be full on. So, so only Ange knows how this is going kind to of pan out and uh, it's dead easy to see obviously oh, we we get rid of this player and that player. These are human beings with contracts and families to support etc. It depends what stage of the career the players at, you know, young guy middle middle of the career. So so there's lots of factors in this. Uh, I tend not to believe anything you see in social media until it actually happens. And then once it happens you can see whether you think that's a good, good, bad or different but uh, to take the point from having a debate about something we have to kind of maybe speculate about what may or may not happen. But uh, I'd like to see him stay and go out low and loan and let's see what he's like. But but if Andy's made his mind up and he's a player to go then then fair. but I again we're talking as if this is something that's definitely going to happen or the rumours are true and as we know a lot of these rumours do not come to pass and therefore we shouldn't get too wound up about this kind of stuff because you've learned in the past, you know, uh, something that could happen, don't worry, it will happen at some point but don't get worried, I mean, it's the same thing every every single player will go at some point in time so are we getting worried about Yota going or Carter Vickers going no, why not because no one's put it in the papers so if someone puts it in the papers all of a sudden we're discussing it and the amount of nonsense that people wrote about Yaki you no, know, mm. I just let him go, he's rubbish. I' utter nonsense, you know. So let's just see what happens. i uh, will let him to get a chance. Hopefully he does get the chance because I think, as I said, of of the Japanese boys coming in, I think he was the one that people thought he's the player. And uh, we've let good players go in the past and I'm sure we'll let good players go in the future, but it'd be good to see what he can do before he goes. It's different if you've got somebody who just doesn't cut it and you think hmm, it's maybe time to move him on, but I don't think that's the case with Gucci.
2: Yeah, Alan, Jim raises a couple of good points there in that you know, there are other situations and other things to consider as far as how a player settles in. It's not necessarily all to do with, with their abilities of footballer, it's to do with external circumstances and sometimes the the attitude and the instructions of the opposition managers when they go out to kick lumps out of your players and things like that. But um but as far as Edagucchi's concerned, are you are you in Jim's camp of you know wanting to keep a hold of him, but maybe send him out on loan, or do you think he's had enough chances? Do you think that the ta- his time at Celtic is is up for you? Would you be happy to see him move on?
4: Yeah, I mean he he was certainly the victim of uh, <coughs> you know a, a tactical approach at Alloa, let's call it, mm-hmm. um, and and and, and, and you no know, sympathy with him for that. Um, very occasionally there are are players who you see, and this is just my opinion, who, you know, uh, there isn't the data because he hasn't played that many games, but just on the eye test, you, you know, you, you can come to a quite a quick conclusion. And f- for me, Edie Gucci is one of these that just doesn't look anywhere near the quality of player that Celtic need, uh, to be honest. Uh, you know, it is what it is. He's a professional footballer. I take all Jim's points about he's a human being, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, but all of those things would become easier if you were performing and you were off the standard that was going to help the group and help help the manager. Um, he just he just doesn't have enough um, in terms of any of his attributes really. I think to, to and, and this is really just based on the eye test because I said I don't have the data. Um, you know, he, he's not particularly big, strong, powerful. He's not particularly. He doesn't move quickly. He doesn't particularly incisive with his passing. You know, give give because the ball away. He's just—I think—he's just at a level above his capabilities, is my view. I think he'd be better served probably at a lower level, uh, probably in a more technical league, as well. Um, and, and probably, you know, it was—it was a very low, low cost, low risk um, purchase, and it didn't work out. And so, I think you just, for me, you just move on, um, and hopefully, you find somewhere that he can he can flourish and show—show and show the best side of himself. Um, and you know sorry if that sounds harsh but you know i love all celtic players un- <laughs> unconditionally but um you know it's better to be in a place where you're you know you're happy in your work and you're contributing than to be somewhere where, where you're not and I, mm. and I don't i just don't see him contributing to to celtic going forward on the on the basis just again on the basis of what i've seen I don't i don't have the data to back that up
2: you don't uh you don't seem like a man who's familiar with a low risk purchase looking at that shirt, Alan. That is that is a belt.
4: <laughs> I'm about to head out after this, so <laughs>
2: <laughs> looking pretty snazzy, I must say. Um a little bit well, more. You're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um
2: Brian, I think I think you more than most on Axom have been um pretty sure of your opinion of of Gucci and his impact, or his likely impact. Um, I don't think you were quick to make a judgement, um, but certainly you've been pretty certain for a for a while now that uh th- that he's not going to fit in at Celtic, and that perhaps his time has has come. How did it make you feel to to hear that potentially we are offloading him, and and that he will be perhaps going back to his his homeland?
5: Um, well, first of all, I'll, I don't think you've been particularly harsh, but if you were harsh, I'll probably be harsher. <laughs> well, maybe not as harsh as Laura with that 2 tackle
2: <laughs> some <laughs> of the stuff I've worn I don't but
5: know why I'm waiting I... <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> Gucci I am um, yeah I, it's not that I'm particularly delighted that him individually is leaving but what I think it's indicative of is Angie's sort of look you're not quite cutting that move on and, and cutting the deadwood out pretty quickly seems pretty ruthless in that regard um, hence the tagline and I think that's a really good approach. I think, you know, regardless of if Sonny's a really good player or not, you know, look at Timo Puke. Clearly a very good player. Celtic wasn't for him. That's all right. But it's identifying that and moving on. You can get into a trap where he, he keeps saying, oh, will give him a chance, give him another chance, give him another chance. You get to a point where they're there three years. they not going to have been anything. It's three years of their career. So I think it's probably best for everyone. He moves on. I think the telling thing for me is when Callum McGregor get injured mm. and neither James McCarthy Abelgard, Ori Gucci, who are all supposed to be number sixes, got a game instead of <clears your> their <throat> best attacking players and Orellin moved him back. So yeah. that was very telling for me. You could maybe say that Abelgaard isn't quite in, uh, up to speed yet. No should sure I buy that, but there's maybe a case for him not playing. Mm-hmm. But I think when you've got you know, two or three players sitting on the bench that can play a position that's now vacated and you then sacrifice another player, to fill that position, I think it's very clear where they, they are in the pecking order. And as I say, just based on to to quote out the eye test, the reason I was fairly, I wasn't a snap judgment, but whenever I saw him play, I thought I don't I don't get it. I don't I couldn't identify what type of player he was. You couldn't say, you know, he's a very good passer. He's a very good tackler. He's very good off the ball. He's you know good vision for passes. There was nothing I could not to say he's not a good player, but there wasn't a, an identifiable quality about him that I thought we get him fit, he's going to really be an asset to the team. And um, and I think, you know, whether you're a, to, to Jim's earlier point, which you just got the end of when I came on, whether it's Carter Vickers, Jota, Ida McCarthy, whatever the player is, if it's either an offer comes in that the club thinks is suitable, they'll go. Or if they're not con- contributing, they'll go. The, the beauty of the situation we're in is that I feel like Angie's on it to the point where we're now prepared for any eventuality. So if a last-minute bid comes in for Carter Vickers and he thinks you know, what's too good to refuse? Yeah, it'd be absolutely hard to replace one of the hardest, other than McGregor to replace, I would say. But I think there's plans in place for all these players, and that gives me massive confidence. If this had been a few years ago, and we are talking about selling players, and I'd be panicked, and we'll forget a placement, this is an quality? this might be a gamble. I'm a bit more confident with with Angie's signing so far. Um, Obviously, accepting that,
2: did you choose one of signings? Mm. Yeah, it's,
3: it's. I mean, I'm going to say like Mary Poppins compared to these two, but, but I think uh, one of the things that that Alan has said in the past, and I've paid attention to Alan honestly, is something like is it 900 minutes you need to properly assess a player. So you not had 900 minutes, and I think the biggest thing in football is it's how confident players are, and I think its confidence is a lot pretty low. He looks at his Japanese compatriots, and thinking these guys are all done really well. I haven't done anything. I'm, I'm injured. Things are bad. And I, before cutting the ties, I'd like to see him go to a Hibs or an Aberdeen, or Dundee United or something like, that and give him a few months and see what it's like. But but at the end of the day, Ange will know because Ange is a is a very smart cookie, and you let them know from training. If, if if training's full on and he's not cutting the training, then yeah, I think he will let him go at that point.
5: One other player, sorry, I forgot to mention. We was talking about number sixes is Scott Robertson. Mm. Uh, another young guy that's been on the bench and there and thereabouts and again, never featured either. So you, you don't imagine that's going to fare too well. And to Jim's point, yeah, you could you could apply that logic to any player. You've said about, you know, Rocco who have not seen much of, Bass and Law, who have not seen much of, Seagriff, who's just in the door, we have never seen much of. So I think that's different. I don't think the, the 90 minutes thing applies to every player depending on what their, their squad status is. And good I suppose, was brought in to be a 1st team player, but it's clearly just not worked. And as I say, Ange might have, maybe at the time, when you looked at the midfield, you thought that he could maybe bolster a couple of positions after injuries. But now we've stocked up a little bit, you probably feel there's not a lot of room for him. Mm-hmm. And again, to John's point as well earlier, we don't actually know if anyone's going anywhere. So this is all sort of um, surmising at this
3: stage. But also, just to pick up the point you made, Brian, that, that, you said that, it, that it hasn't worked. I mean, he's not had a chance to make it work. You know, That's, that's why I think it's unfair. To see where he should stay or go until you've actually seen that, and I think uh, the team are so good, the players are so good. He's, 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 he's a bit below them in terms of match, uh, in terms of minutes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I think until he gets to those minutes, I mean, if we were to wrap up the league early and we've got a few games at the end of the season, maybe it's a game then. But I would just like to see him play to see what he's like. There's no way he's going to play for Celtic, I don't think, in the next few months. So it's either loan or leave, and I think from my personal point of view I think a loan would be good just to see what it's like.
2: Uh, that's fair points I think. Um, Paul Andrew Martin says player who came in Needed to make an impact and sadly Gucci hasn't looked like a similar one with Abelgard, which we'll get on to discuss. Ridiculiser rubbing it in saying it's only 23 degrees wherever he is today so uh, I don't know what that feels like and um, Emma Barnes, Fahrenheit. thank you for watching <laughs> on um, Twitch. Aye, Fahrenheit is a bit closer to what we're at. Um, Alan, I guess the the next thing to discuss um, and, and Jim will come to you on this in terms of your opinion of it in general but Alan I'll come to you first. Um, It is all rumours at this point but given that we've, we've brought players in the assumption is that there will be players going out what is your attitude in terms of how ruthless you want the club to be in terms of keeping hold of players or not? Are you wanting to see a little bit more of a cutthroat attitude in terms of making decisions more sharply to, for various reasons obviously to make sure that we're not holding on to players that are of no use to us but also from a financial perspective are you wanting to see that more ruthless side to the club going forward?
4: <clears throat> yeah yeah well, I don't think we've got a choice um, we have to be I mean uh, uh, Anne just said this himself we have to accelerate uh, the rate the turnover uh, of players probably both in and out uh, and the reason for that is that you know, the only way we're going to grow the quality of the squad is to sell players to buy, to sell players at a high premium, uh, to buy players at a lower premium, develop them, and and, and then repeat. And I've got to and, and although you know, Celtic have done that reasonably well and and very well if you if you use Scotland as your benchmark, we've not done that well if you use a lot of clubs in Europe as your benchmark. and um, compare their European performances to Celtics' uh, performances. We need to get away from...
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for based on Cox analysis of OOKLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details.
4: Thinking of our benchmarks as being, you know, clubs in Scotland and think about what are equivalent clubs in Europe and, and how are they performing because our results in Europe have been so dreadful for 20 years, more or less, that, um, you know, we that, that, that has to be, you know, the, the, the way we're aiming for. So, you know, you need to move players on. You need to take opportunities to sell players that you don't necessarily want to sell in terms of they're performing well, they're in the first team. But if you can sell them at an absolute premium and that means you can buy three players that you will eventually sell for that same price, you have to do that. It's the only way that we can grow that the squad because we're locked, we're landlocked in a very poor performing league as far as commercials are concerned, television revenue. Prize money. The only variable that we can play with is, uh, you know, sponsorship, which has been broadly flat for the last, you know, most of Lowell's reign. Actually, you know, we've got some good contracts, but it's, the, the trend is relatively flat. We haven't grown our commercials that well. But even if we did, it would be by maybe a couple of million a year. That's not, it's not going to be a game changer. And therefore, you're left with competing at European football level getting more income that way. But especially under the new financial sustainability rules, you cannot budget and estimate that you're going to get to the Europa League final every year
0: mm.
4: or get to the last 16 of the Champions League every year because you'll eventually fall foul of the, the various checks and balances under FSR. Um, and so, you know, there's a limit to how much you can um, spend. Therefore, you have to keep within a sustainable level of, of of spending to match a sensible level of revenue that you can estimate for. Therefore, I come back to what levers have you got? And and, and the, the obvious lever is selling players. Uh, so absolutely, we have to accelerate it. It's the only way we're going to grow because we're going to have to take a more prudent approach to to, to financial planning on a go-forward basis because of FSR.
2: Yeah, um, just before I come on to Jim, uh, Lanky says it's minus nine in certain parts of Govan. It certainly is. Um, but the less said about that, the better, or who well, knows.
3: Govan. You, Govan, you Govan, you say
2: Govan, Maura. You say Govan, I say Glasgow. <laughs> Glasgow, you, sorry. Sorry, I gave it, I gave
4: it. I think that was a joke <laughs> that was being made there, by the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Jim. <laughs> Given what you've said about Idiguchi maybe getting a, a a chance, and and assuming this maybe applies a little bit more widely to the to the squad in general, you, where does it sit with you, Alan? Talking about this more ruthless approach, uh, is that something you're you're kind of against? Are you wanting more of a chance for these players, or a, a bit more of a chance for players to settle in, or can you see the advantages of that 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 more ruthless approach?
3: I think there's a balance in that. You, you, you can have something that's cutthroat and also, and also It's, it's you know, They're not mutually exclusive. And uh, I think every business is cutthroat. And football is no different. And uh, I always kind of get back to that. I mean, obviously, we've never been involved in the game at any kind of level at all. I, I coached kids football for the best part of 20 years. So that gives mm. you a wee inclination of how you might think if you were a manager, say. And in that time, I took school teams, I took boys' clubs teams. And it's a different mentality with each of them. If you take a school team, you play the cards you're dealt with. You can't just pull in somebody from a different school to play for your school team. And a boys' club is where it depends on your objective to run the boys' club. Do you want to make them the best boys' club possible or do you want to give everyone a game and can it be fair? And I was looking at the latter of those two because every week somebody would say, I've got a pal, he's really good, he's better than this guy. So if I wanted to make my team better, I'd say, oh, I bring him on, that's fine. But I didn't want to do that. But in football, that's what you do all the time. If you're not supposed to Coglu, you want a better player than Yota. You want a better player than Castle Vickers. So you go out and get them. And as Alan said, if you can get them for cheaper and you can sell Yota for big money, that's what you do. And as I said before, you don't. I mean, football's becoming a bit like chess, I think. Like, don't become too attached to players, Brian, Matt O'Reilly, because <laughs> he's going to move at some I mean. <laughs> point. <laughs> the Matt, the Matt boys here. So don't become too attached because they're going to move along. Soon, and I'd said last time I was on if we can keep Matarelli, Hitati, Kyogo for another season, that would be great. But I've got no great expectation of them going beyond that. And there'll become a time where it's the optimum time to sell these guys. Uh, Brian mentioned Carter Vickers. I mean, Carter Vickers went to the World Cup there, so he's in a completely different place to where he was 18 months ago. That's a guy who couldn't get a game for any team. All of a sudden, he's playing the Champions League, all of a sudden, he's playing the World Cup. So, so his mindset is different because, you know, and I know there's stories in the paper that you know the Yakimakis thing. That when Yakimakis came, he'd be happy to accept X pounds per week. But fast forward, he scored a goal in the Champions League. He's playing a title-winning team. He was he was top scorer last season. He's looking at other players again. You've got a different different view altogether. And Ange has to manage that. And that's when Ange said before that it's not his job to keep people happy. It is his job to keep people happy. But it depends what your definition of happiness is. Because if I'm Yaki Marcus, I'm not getting the game time I got last year. I'm not happy about this. Mm. If my money's not as good as I thought, as I think I'm entitled to, I'm not happy about this. Maybe Ange, all Ange do is give the guy a game, but maybe Ange doesn't want to give the guy a game. So it's a huge balance in And yeah, you have to be cutthroat at the same time as well. So And that's what makes the manager's job so complex. And that's why it gets the big bucks that he gets. But yeah, you have to be cutthroat if you're a manager of a football team and you want success, you've got to be looking to replacing every single player you've got with somebody better. And the complexity is you're going to sell players and you're going to buy players and you get good value for money and all and all that kind of stuff as well. So to balance all that stuff out, I think is, is hugely complex. And we've all got different views on these things. So if Matt really went tomorrow, I think we should get X and Alan thinks we get Y. Brian thinks we get Z. You know, so but the depends who's wanting to pay the money at the time. So hugely complex either. but to answer the question eventually, yeah, cutthroat, definitely
2: cutthroat. Yeah. Um, Brian, I guess to, to close off this particular part of the conversation, we've talked there about, you know, Jim and Alan have covered a number of the players that we have in the squad, Jota, <coughs> <Giacomakis>, um, Maeda, <coughs> other ones. We seem to be able to source full-backs, centre-backs, couple of goalkeepers, forward players. The reason that I think the Adagucci thing is such an interesting topic is because that number six role, as you said, we've got like three players that is supposedly their natural position and yet we're playing players who's not natural in that position there when there's an injury. Why do you think we find it so difficult in comparison to other parts of the squad to to get players that are of an appropriate quality for that position? I think it's
5: it's hard to say because if you look at the way Angie's team plays, and like Callum McGregor isn't a natural number six, really. But what he's very good at that no one else has is his turnover or possession in attack. Whereas Avogard would probably be a traditional number six, big, strong, defensive-minded and then passes. So, and even O'Reilly, when, you, when he sat back in that position, he was more like a number six than McGregor actually is. Mm. You're, you're not just trying to find a, a player for that position you're trying to find a player who does what McGregor does and therein lies the problem I think because it's quite specific and I think that's a bit harder to find it could be the case that maybe we've found players and they've been you know at a decent level where they're going to be playing every week and he's thought well I'm not going to replace my captain so is it worth it I'm not sure It could be place I've just not found any yet um, but you know listen to Jim and how what's interesting is this team uh, optimization comes up a lot and I think it's really accurate because I've <clears throat> yeah, been really complimentary about our player trading model particularly under Ange because I think that he's been doing what he, he have been trying to do for mm-hmm. a long time he's just doing it better than most people but and this is where it's, it's not really a negative but when you talk about balancing acts I think we, when we're recruiting now we need to be buying players younger because if we're looking at say like players coming in, spending a couple of seasons and then moving on, using that money to buy somebody else and that sort of mode. If they're like 18 or 19, A, their selling value is considerably higher and B, they're more likely to stay for a couple of years longer. If you see them at 20, 23, 24, 25, they're probably already thinking of their next big move and it's harder to keep them for that period of time. And I just think, yeah, you want to, there's certain areas where you need to bring experience in, but that has to, I'd rather see maybe signing a, a couple of 29 to 30 year olds that have their experience in, for say the Champions League or in certain positions like say like a Joe Hart right perfect example but then you can get more guys like a Bada who are 18, 19 can come in and do a job and I think that'd be a more efficient version like I see some of the players with are linked to 26, 27 and you think how how big is that selling value going to be for the investment and if they're that good at that age are they going to stay Celtic long, long enough to justify the impact? So I think there, there's a few kinks, I think also we're linked to every player under the sun, so you don't know who's actually going to come in. I think the boy Kobayashi is a good example at 22. So mm. uh, that slightly like contradicts what I'm saying about being 18, 19. But then in the Japanese league, that's really young. And he's got plenty of time to, you know, two seasons playing really, really well. He can transform as a player. Whereas mm. yeah, 28, 29, that's a bit harder. And then you're binding for a different purpose. So I'd like to see a, 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 a clearer, almost commitment to what we're saying. Because I feel it's a bit wishy-washy at times with Celtic. Yeah. Like we're seeing players who can be Champions League players, but also develop and move on. And I don't think that really works. I think it's almost someone who can play that level right away. And you're seeing players who can potentially play there. And that has to be the mix. But I think we need to commit in one way or the other. Because the mishmash approach doesn't always work. So he ran mm-hmm. a bit because he can come in straight away in a position we needed it, because we didn't really realise how well Ralston was going to come on. And then he's probably going to be away. So you think 18 months, I can understand why that happened. But I was looking at sending a replacement right back. I'm not sure it went for a 24 year old. He's good as he may be. If we're sick to that mold, if we're just going to say, well, every transfer window regroup just for the first team. And we're not having a sell on trading, player trading model, fine. But I think we need to commit either side of it. And now it's, it's a bit muddled for me.
4: So, Brian, I, I, I think so there's a lot to unpack there, but um, I think we have to be flexible. I don't think there's a one a one rule fits all here. I think we have to be smart, really. If I had to summarise it, we have to be smart. Uh, and what does being smart mean? It doesn't mean that you only buy 18, 19-year-olds. It doesn't mean that you only buy 30-year-olds. It doesn't mean you only buy someone that's got at least 25 caps. It means that you, 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 you try and find value that's really what it comes down to and that could be anywhere on the spectrum of age or or price point uh so um for example one of the reasons one of the things i th- i think there's 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 evidence over the last 18 months uh, which is a coincidental amount of time <laughs> um where we've suddenly been acting very smart in the transfer window uh and, and 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 i'll give you a number of examples of that so you mentioned juranovic so juranovic was 27 an established international player he, he was massively undervalued in the market at two and a half million he was an absolute steal it's one of these you just have to do it because uh, you know the, the, where would you pick up I mean Croatia are one of the the, the top international you know nations in the world uh, and he's a regular right back and he was only two and a half million and, and so you just that was something he just had to do similarly, Hasvanovitch and Abelgar, um, that that was taking advantage of distressed a distressed seller. You know the the Russian clubs obviously have got sanctions applied, and here was again Abelgar is twenty six years old. He's <coughs> has broken into the Danish squad. Uh, here was somebody who you know I think we've only got him on loan for a year. Uh, it was it was a low risk opportunity to get a relatively experienced player. Abada Abada was was, a, was a, we've probably fitted the model you were talking about. But in terms of if we focused, and I agree with you conceptually, ideally we'd want to focus on that. 17, 18, 19 year old market, but the problem is that uh, global scouting is now so pervasive and so um, extensive and far-reaching. You know, people setting up camps in African countries and all sorts of things. Some, you know, some f- all sorts of fairly borderline moral moral practices to try and uncover and sift out young talent. If you're if you're going to try and find the best 18 year olds in the world, not only is it a risk for a club like Celtic that has to win every week. Um, But the price point for those top talents is now being pushed up and up and up because there are well-resourced clubs like Salzburg and Leipzig who are in the market for exactly those players and are prepared to spend 10 million plus on teenagers um, knowing that their target is to sell them for 30, 40 million. We're nowhere near that model. And we can't can't just adopt that model because we're just not geared up to do it. We're not capitalised to do it. And the only reason that we'll get closer to that and grow is I come back to we, have to, we have to accelerate the churn. So where we have been smart, and I think a space that we are operating in at the moment, is, is, is the sort of space that got us a Jota and a Carter Vickers, which is, these were young players who were identified very early as teenagers, as being very talented. And, and very early, they moved uh, to a top club. So Yota was came through Benfica's system and was very highly regarded. Karti Vickers was, uh, was hoovered up by Tottenham. Uh, Haksavanovitch uh, moved to West Ham United in the Premier League when he was about sixteen. Okay, and what happened with all those players is, for whatever reason—and there are various reasons—they uh, never made it at these very big clubs, where where there's where there's very few teenagers will get into anywhere near the first team. And so what Celtic have done is picked up players who've been at smaller clubs, got the big move, not made it at that big club for whatever reason. And then in their very early 20s, they're thinking, right, I need to play. I'm a good player. I know I can do it, but I need to find somewhere that I can, at the age of 21, 22, 23, I, 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 I can grow. And that's, that's what Celtic can sell. We're a big club. Um, you'll get first team minutes, you'll get Europe and, and you'll be in the short window. And you'll, you'll you'll be in you'll be in there to win things. And that, that so that's we're we're looking at that sort of, as I say, that sort of, almost like call it the second chance market. People that have been very talented as in, in the age group you're talking about.
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox
1: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: It hasn't worked out for them. This is their second chance. And I I think that's a rich seam because... What has happened over the last ten years, as you know, is that a lot of clubs have hoovered up young players and, and carried enormous squads. Chelsea, Man City, good examples of that. Use the loan market to get them experience, and actually flip them. A lot of those, most of those players, will flip them for a small, a smaller, or a large, even large profit. Um, now, again, under financial sustainability, that, that's going to squeeze the ability to do that to carry all that cost on your. On your balance sheet, because you you, won't, you just won't be able to do it. So that that kind of that kind of model may, may 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 reduce over over the years, and we might go back to being able to pick up the odd eighteen year ninety year old from Croatia or from Sweden or what have you, uh, and get in there first. But at the moment, that's not possible because of the, the reach of these mega clubs. Therefore, go for the sort of secondary the secondary market of right. This is your second chance to make it. That makes sense. Oh, Also, I think,
3: just, just to butt in there, sorry, that although it's cutthroat and I agree with everything the guys have said there, the, the biggest thing about football is luck, I think. And what makes football be even more cutthroat is like, if you were going to bring in a, in, a, in, a, in a non-football environment, a chief executive, say, like, based on experience and knowledge on that, he or she should do a good job. He or she's not going to allow her to get cropped. You know, if, if we just say a badder, and putting Aloha in the League Cup when he gets cropped after 25 minutes and doesn't kick a ball for six months, would we be looking at Abada? Would we look at Ida Gucci? I think it's just your luck. I believe in all the theories about who we should buy, et cetera, et cetera, But then, luck, I think, in football plays a massive, massive part.
2: Speaking of um, opinions of players and how they can change and how circumstances do that, um, Mark E says, um, "If we were interested in, uh, if we were watching Juranovic in the World Cup, knowing Celtic were interested in signing him, we'd be ecstatic." Um, that in mind, Jim, I think Juranovic has shown his qualities at the World Cup. But another couple of players that everybody's obviously been watching closely is is Aaron Moy and Dyson Um, Diza Maeda. um Aaron Moy specifically has put in a couple of um, really outstanding individual performances and Maeda's been part of a Japan team that reached the last 16 and beat a couple of World Cup giants along the way. Jim, have you has your opinion of Maeda or Moy improved or changed in any way, seeing them in action for their, their national teams as opposed to their performances for Celtic?
3: It hasn't changed. Uh, I think you've got two ways of looking at it. Again, you've got the eye test and you've got the stats and obviously Aaron we know the stats, uh, right, left and centre of them. I think fans tend to make their mind up about players pretty early on and don't change their mind. No matter what the evidence says, no, no, I don't like this particular player. And I think Moy and Maeda, I think for most fans, wouldn't be first-team starters. They'd be guys coming off the bench. I think we've got a better, in my opinion, sorry, we've got 11 players who are better than the two of them. And I think they also the functions that they carry out for the team are quite unfashionable. They're not a striker, they're not a wing. they don't take players on. So they're not playing every week. And, but I think what they do, they do really well. I think Ange obviously rates them. Uh, Maida's playing for Japan. I mean, what's, what's the population in Japan? 100-odd million? You know, he's a first-team pick for Japan. So he must be good. You know, despite what the armchair fans like like us think, he must be good to be the best 11 in Japan out of 100 million people. Must be, uh, Moy same idea. I mean, he's a. They're both first picks. Mm. It'd be different if it was somebody who's on the bench and maybe get a game sometime. So the managers of those two nations rate them really highly. They're first picks, uh, they're putting the World Cup. Uh, they've 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 done really well as well. So I think maybe your question is for those who maybe doubted them. I didn't doubt them because I'll get back to that evidence thing that Alan talked about, this, this 900 minutes thing. I'm not sure Moyes had 900 minutes, Alan, has he? For Celtic. For Celtic, for
4: Celtic. Um, uh, you carry on, I shall come back to you.
3: <laughs> I, I thought you just went like that and bang. 823.
4: 823. 823.
3: So they're obviously good players and anyone and signs, because I think at the start, we weren't very sure about that. Is that right? I was Wait, close to a 2 three. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I'm now the stats man. So I think eh, Ange obviously thinks they're good players. I think at the start when we were we were unsure of Ange, I think the players that Ange has brought in, we're we no longer not sure of Ange. We are now saying, well, if Ange likes them, they must be players. And even mm. though they might not be our favourites, they might not be our Matt O'Reilly's to these two guys here. You know, it's a team game and we play a lot of games and we need a squad and we need players that we can depend on. And I think they've both had Obviously, loads of minutes, so and we can depend on them both. And if you look at some of the games maybe Moy, not so much, but Maeda came on at Motherwell, scored the goal, turned it into the, the winning goal, you know. So he's 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 certainly contributed. And he's a guy who can play in a number of places uh, up front, which we haven't tried him too much. Maybe when, when he first came in, was it, was it the Hibs game? His first game, he played center forward and scored the goal,
2: think so, yeah. five
3: minutes. So you know, we can play him anywhere, anywhere across the front line that's good as well. So I think they're both really good players and just signed them, which means he must think they're good players as well. I don't think there's any debate at all.
2: Yeah, um, Brian, the the, the discussion around a lot of the pre-World Cup chat for Celtic players was, you know, the surprise at, at Maeda going and, and, and Kyogo not going for Japan. But I think what's been clear, um, as Jim kind of alluded to there, is that the style that Japan play um Maida certainly does a very effective job for him, and and as Jim said he's a starting player he's not even just a squad player for them so it's clear that that his strengths are are there to be exploited. But the one that interests me a lot more actually is Aaron Moy just because he's put in some good performances for Celtic but he's not he's been far from a popular player amongst the Celtic support in general and yet we've seen him go in Regardless of the fact he can't get a, start in, a permanent starting berth for Celtic, he's at the heart of that Australia midfield for all of their games at the World Cup. He, he was applauded particularly for his his performance against France and, and and throughout the group stage, really. Do you see this giving him a kind of boost as far as coming back to Celtic and, and and maybe making that number six role that we talked about a bit more his own until such time as Callum McGregor's back up to full fitness?
5: But- no, it's the, the short answer. <laughs> <really>. <laughs> I, um, uh, in terms of, I think Aaron Moyes, a player, I, I said when we signed a lot of people were, were going crackers about how many signed, but I, I thought it was a decent signing. I thought it, it didn't cost us anything. He was well known to the manager. He's a really good passer of the ball. He can play the couple of positions. I was concerned about him sitting deeper because I don't think, I think the way he plays for a show here, it's a completely different system than the way he plays at Celtic. And I don't know if he's got the physicality to play that mm. role well enough for Celtic. It's nothing to do with him as a player. He's a very good footballer. I just don't know if he's got the, the, the sort of, the athleticism needed for that role at Celtic. But I think he's good to have in the squad. I think he's a clever player. I think he's good to come on. I think he's good for the younger players around about him. Um, it's, a, it's almost a similar attitude. I don't think he's a good player, but the similar way of view Turnbull in a way. And that, I think, Tom was excellent as a player. I really like him, but I'm I'm never 100% sure how he really fits in our midfield. Although, I would see you could put him in another team and he'd be the best player in the league. So, I, I, think it, I think it just depends on, you know, he can play really well in one system for one team, but it doesn't quite work in another. Um, but I don't think my opinion's changed him. I think I've always thought he's been quite a good player. I don't think he's going to replace, certainly going to replace O'Reilly, It's Ante or McGregor's starters if they're all fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if Turnbull's fit, he would start ahead of him as well. But I think he's good to have. And he's an experienced player. I don't think he's going to get go to the World Cup and suddenly think now, oh I'm actually a really good player. I think he's he's confident enough. I think if he was twenty-one getting that exposure, then yeah, I think he would be a massive boost for him to come back. Um but I, I think he's he's experienced enough, he knows what he can do. He's he's comfortable in his own skin in many plays. So I don't think it's going to make him a better signing for Celtic. Um, and I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's going to be our number six. Although I do think he's a good player. But like Jim, my opinion of him hasn't really changed from before he went. And Maeda is a funny one. He's, he's funny when Jim says because he's never been like a favourite of mine. Mm. Although I do see his qualities. I, I think he's one of those players. I think it depends who else plays with him is how effective he can be. I think you know when he was next to Jackie Marquez and he had like a a kind of traditional winger on the other side I think he was best because he could do all the hard work and let Jacomacca score and let the winger you know put the crosses in mm. but it depends where you play him I think sometimes if the dynamic's not quite right for him he doesn't show up that well um, but he is an excellent player it's just he's just it's sort of funny because he's not I don't think he's an out-and-out striker I don't really think he's a winger either he's almost a bad-esque in that regard he's kind mm. of in between. Uh, but he mm. obviously got great quality and again my, my opinion of him I'm not going to, oh, Maeda's going to come back and absolutely destroy the league. I think he'll come back and do what he's been doing, We just coming on now and again and, and, and playing in certain
3: uh, certain games.
2: Yeah. Uh, Jim, I don't think you need to worry about Brian challenging you for Mary Poppins of Axel many times soon, that's for sure. Well, it's the
3: fact he said he's not my favourite. He's not my favourite. Only Matt's Brian's favourite. <laughs> he he it he's just current now. It's just in case of going you. I
2: do him take that. <laughs> don't but, worry about it. Don't worry about it. Although if Instagram's heading to go by Brian, I think we're both out of the running as far as that's concerned. So.
5: <laughs> I, I, my, my missus actually, it's funny because um, I used to when remember when Jota first signed, and I, my missus started a crush on Jota. She's like, "Why do you got <laughs> a you guy?" I was like, "That was Michael." And then after when Matt O'Reilly came, I was like, no, that's, okay, be, "That's okay then." Matt is okay. the guy. So it's uh, it's the first thing I think my missus has been jealous of a Celtic player. <laughs> no, in, in like, I think the, the reason I would say is like Matt O'Reilly, for me, is an absolute cut above. those guys that are in the squad, but the guys like O'Reilly, Shorter, I think Hatati on occasion, McGregor, CCV, who are the real standouts in our team. Kyogo um, as well, although he's formed a but I'm down this season. But there's certain people I think are just excellent footballers and, and are a real cut above. And Maeda, Moyes, they're, they're no as. They're valuable to the squad, but they're not anywhere
2: near there for me. Mm. Um, Alan, I'll come to you on the, the, the general your general opinion. I don't know how much you've got a chance to see Australia and Japan at the World Cup, but what, if you have managed to see any of them, what's mm. your opinion of, of Maeda mm. and Moy and and you know any potential improvements to their game that they might be able to bring back to a Celtic shirt?
4: You know, I, mean, I don't think I've seen anything that didn't surprise me. They've been true to themselves and played in a way that I know they can play but they're being used for their countries in ways that are completely different and the demands are completely different to what, um, uh, they, they, need, what they need to do for Celtic. So Maeda has been used, I mean, and, and he was specifically picked ahead of Kyogo, um, and he was specifically picked to play against the likes of Spain and Germany and just to basically harass their back lines as much as possible for 60 minutes, 65 minutes, and then you know bring on more of a footballer, if you like, uh, after that, and and so it, it was a horrible job for him in a sense, but he got like four, you know, three three starts out of it at a World Cup, and he got rewarded for all his hard work with a goal against Croatia, where he, he he was terrific, he was terrific doing the things we know that he can do. There was nothing that he was doing that we haven't seen. He didn't touch the ball very much, he didn't create very much, um, he took his goal quite well, and he and he and he absolutely ran his heart out and worked his socks off. For the team and he did the job that he was asked to do excellently no surprise in any of that so to me it doesn't change what, what he is uh, and, and and uh how he may be used he's still as as um Brian said he's 24 so he's still relatively young for a, a Japanese player um and I think there's still growth in him and he's he's got attributes which which will have utility I think in Europe and and domestically so you know you know but but we have to be you know, honest about his, the things he can't do. There's a lot of things he can't do. He's not going to be super creative. He's not going to be whipping crosses into the six-yard box. He's not going to be beating three players and smashing one in the top corner, et cetera. You know, there are limitations there, but there's a lot of utility as well. Um, I think for Moy, exactly the same. You know, Moy is an incredibly intelligent, technically gifted football player. And you can't have enough of those in your squad, frankly. Um, but again, for Australia, his job was to get the ball and really slow the game down. <laughs> because, you know, they didn't want it to be a helter-skelter, high-pressing, high-energy game, because they would have got overrun by the teams that they were playing. So they wanted to make it a, a more sedate game. And, and the way that he controlled the tempo of the game in their midfield was, was superb, and exactly what Australia needed in that tournament. That's no good for Celtic. Celtic need to play at a high tempo, and I think you know we saw in the Saint Mirren game <laughs> where he was him and Turnbull were asked to provide the impetus in central midfield that we couldn't break through their block because we just weren't moving the ball quick enough. Um, having said all that, again, I think Moy has been pretty steady. He's just under nine hundred minutes. I think he's actually shown his worth more of as a link player not as the number six. I don't think he moves the ball quick enough as a six. And he's also not going to stop the, the, the fast transition on the way back. So I think he's actually been utilised more as a number eight. You know, we've got a lot of square pegs in our midfield. Unfortunately, you know, Brian talked about Turnbull and his limitations. Um, you know, we, we simply don't have enough athleticism in the middle of the park to be the team that Ange wants us to be. Uh, and again, I'm, I go back to the European benchmark, go back to Leipzig, look at their midfield, look at the, the physical construction of their midfielders, their, their physical profile uh, uh, allied to their technical ability. That's where we're trying to get to. And we're a long way short of that. Moy not going to help us, but as a squad player who...
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash Internet for details.
1: It's the marketer's report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: Uh, Provides excellent value, because I suspect it's not expensive. And as I say, it's just a very intelligent footballer. You know, he's going to have value on the training ground. He's going to have value by the example that he sets to the younger players. His ability to um, to read the game well is, is invaluable to young, younger players. So I think he'll be a great help to Hitati and O'Reilly as a, as someone to to learn from. But I don't think he's going to move the dial in terms of making us a better level European side because he it really doesn't fit profile of this type of central midfielders that, that we want. But they've you know, they've both did brilliantly at the World Cup. They both did their jobs superbly, but they're not the jobs that Celtic will generally ask them to do.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's all that's all fair cop, as they say. Um and I think it's certainly been clear to me that that um as good as they have been, they have certainly, as Alan said, been um asked to play different roles for their countries, perhaps because they aren't playing in the the dominant team in either situation, and and are having to to uh, pre- perform roles that are more about stopping the opposition than they are about overcoming the opposition. So um, I think that's that's fair to say. Um, Jim, to move on to a slightly different topic, it's it's something that's interested me for a while now. Um, talking about you know looking forward at, towards the end of this season into next season. And, and a comment and a topic that keeps coming back up in my mind is, is Joe Hart and how long he has left at Celtic and and how we handle that transition, whether Segrist at age, I think he's still only 30 at the moment, for, for which for a goalkeeper is relatively young. Um, at what point do you think the baton is going to be handed over from Hart to Segrist if Segrist is going to become number one? Is that going to be a transition you think we'll see between now and the end of the season? Or is that something that will potentially happen in the summer, do you think?
3: Talked about cutthroats earlier. I think all players are kind of cutthroat. If you're somebody playing in the position you play in, then you want them to go off for them, you want them to be substituted, you want them to be injured, you want them to be sold, basically. So if you're serious, you want to play first team football. Uh, and I think maybe it's different depending on the ages of the goalkeepers. I think if you're a young goalkeeper coming through and you're the second choice and you're you're only twenty, twenty-one, you can see, well, at some point soon I'll be the, I'll be number one. I suppose the older you get, it's maybe that maybe that's down to money. So if, you, if you're thirty years old, not in that game, but you're getting paid well, you're kind of happy where you are. But until Joe, Joe Hart goes off for him, Joe Hart's a man with the jersey. So uh, I don't think anything's going to change that. Soon I think Hart's been okay. I see. I thought he was outstanding last season. He's has got the odd blip as we saw in Wives. I think he's been he's been great. The points Alan makes about you know players been 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 good for the squad and, and good in training and stuff like that. I and mean, Hart's a fantastic example of that. So. If he goes off form, that's the time that you change things. But up till then, I think he's going to have to be happy with you know cup games and friendly matches. And don't know, maybe sometimes if, if a game has been won with the second half to come, you can maybe bring on Segrist at time or something like that to give him some game time. But uh, how you keep Segrist happy, I'm not sure because I don't know what Segrist's motivations are. Uh, Scott Bain's an interesting one. I mean, this <laughs> Out of the picture altogether. Third choice, he's, he's nowhere near it. But then when you watch these things like you know Celtic teammates and, and they're chatting about different players. Baines gets mentioned quite a lot. He's a, he's a good guy in the training field. Good guy, just all round good guy. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bit different from any other position, and it's a specialised position. You've got one guy who you need to get his jersey at some point in time, and you want to get his jersey. But I think that's been great, uh, great for the team, great for the club, great for the players, and. Until he starts to go off form a little bit, I think Seagriss is going to have to wait.
2: Yeah, uh, I think to quote what the kids say, Jim uh, Baines, there for the vibes is what the kids say. For the the bants and the vibes. (laughs)
3: Um, Kids, kids these days. Mm,
2: Mm. I'm certainly not one of them anymore either, that's fair to say. Um, Brian, your thoughts on the Joe Hart Seagriss situation? Do you think Joe Hart's going to be number one for much longer? And if he isn't, is Seagrass the answer? Do we need to go out and look for, for somebody else again? Um, what's your thoughts on that?
5: I don't think Hart's going anywhere anytime soon, to be honest, I think. He's, um, I know he's, he's an older player, but for a goalkeeper, he's still got a few years left, I think. I don't think his performances have been dropping anytime. I think he's keeping up a good standard. I think one of the things that's good about Hart and it's one of those kind of unquantifiable things is the way the effect he has on the defence. Because I don't think it's a coincidence that you know we've defended better since he's come in. I think it's his effect overall, confidence, his aggression at corners, things like that. So I think he adds a lot in that regard with that experience. Mm-hmm. I think longer term, obviously, we'll, we'll be looking at a replacement. At some point, I don't think that replacement's uh, Seagrist. I suspect he's brought on as a sort of steady cover. I don't think he's going to be the, the long term replacement for Hart. I think you want Andrew wants somebody that's a bit better with the ball at his feet. Um but yeah, for me Hart is is number one and, and until unless he's a disaster of form and he tumbles and he stops taking care of himself or he just maybe he wants to move on. But I think he's, he's still got a, a couple of seasons yet. I wouldn't mean, it's not a position where I think, oh, we need we need somebody to come in. What would be interesting is how um Toby over I think I see some I'm Not yeah. sure I that. Um, <coughs> I've been trying to see where has. I think this season's really big for him for Jan, you know, Almost if he goes out on loan mm. and then comes back, because although I'm not necessarily a huge fan of players going to loan to other teams, just because Ange plays such a specific way, I think keepers different because he can do he can develop as a keeper without worrying too much about how Ange plays. I know he has to play with the ball at his feet, but. That's something you can practice as a I don't think you need to be super active at that on the park. Um so interesting to see if he comes in as a long term replacement and that's what they have in mind. I would like us to start going in that model of, you know, as I mentioned earlier, some of the whether that's buying players or academy players, you'd be nice right if these guys got a chance to replace. Um, but yeah, long winded answer, but I don't see Hart going going anywhere anytime soon. Like he's been excellent for us and I think he's got a couple of seasons yet.
2: Um just to get your thoughts on that, Alan, before we move on to the last topic, um Joe Hart, I think, has proved himself to be even more of a key player than, than many of us, myself included, thought he would be. Um but the fact of the matter is he is as as we've all talked about, getting that bit older even for a goalkeeper. Um and even to 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 bring up the kind of subject that Jim talked about with other players earlier, there's there's a the potential that, you know. He might not want to make glasgow his home for for the like the long term future um do you see Hart lasting much longer if if not what what are the other options is segista a a viable long term option for you or will we need to be looking elsewhere
4: so, so i mean what i'm hoping is you know if we think of this as angle sort of 2.0 and next season sort of 3.0 what i want 3.0 to be is to reduce the number of trade-offs that I think we make on a number of positions and, and get closer to the model of coherence around players fitting the way that the manager wants to play. And I still think we're quite a long way off. And one of those areas is goalkeeper. And I think I've been consistent with this since the day Joe Hart signed. But I completely understand why he signed. Because, you know, go to Ange rule number one. Are you a good person? Right? And and, and if you think about the bin fire that, that Ange came into, he he, ne- he needed some people <laughs> that were just solid citizens, just good professionals uh, to study things because of all the turmoil that was about to be unleashed in terms of the volume of players sold and let go and the volume of new, new new people coming in. And, you know, what the big surprise to me with Hart was just what a nice guy he is, but also what a top, top professional he is to have around the place. So all those things are great. Um, if you want to look at the boil if you want to leaving that on the table then move on to performance and look at data he's a perfect fit to the system that we want to play and his numbers are okay he roughly saves the shots he should save not not massively brilliant doesn't over over overreach in terms of saving things that that you know you, you, that you shouldn't accept etc so he he does a solid job I think, is is the way I would summarise it from a data performance perspective. You know, so why doesn't he fit the model? Um, I think, listen, I think he's made an absolutely brilliant effort to be a better goalkeeper with the ball at his feet. Um, But before people start piling on with, oh, I just want my goalkeeper to keep the ball out of the net, right, why is this important? During a game for Celtic, the goalkeeper will make probably less than two, um, between two and three on a, on a poor day saves in a game, right? But they'll have to distribute the ball around 30 to 40 times. That's why it's important. It's the volume of activity. So something that you're going to have to do 30, 40 times that you're not very competent at versus something you are very good at, but you only have to do two or three times a game, right? And the other side of it is... Um, you know, in Scotland, obviously, there's a big emphasis on lumping high balls into the box. That's, that's the culture and the way that football is often played in Scotland. But what is important in the context of how Celtic need to play is, is speed and transitions and getting the ball forward quickly but accurately. So the ability for the goalkeeper to come and claim all those high crosses into the box. So to be agile and to be decisive, and to to really you know take a lot of these high balls and then quickly transition the ball forward either with the feet or with the arms arms is um, is something that's really important. If I was to profile the perfect goalkeeper for Celtic, and, Hart, and that's not a strong point for Hart either, so for those reasons, he's not a good fit, and he's one of the many trade offs we have throughout the team, where other factors that, that he absolutely does bring in terms of his presence, his professionalism. His personality, uh, his general steadiness and competence. Um, But in terms of that next level and how do we move forward? How do we get better? We should be, we need to be looking at somebody that fits more the profile that I've just described. And Seagrass doesn't that either. Seagrass is a really good, competent goalkeeper, very similar to Joe Hart, just a bit younger. So, um, but he's a very, very good number two. I mean, if Hart got injured or whatever, I wouldn't be worried about having Segrist come in he would probably perform to almost ex- exactly the same level as Hart is which is a competent level and it's acceptable level but I'm talking about where we where Bosta Cogley wants to get to and how we become a better football team how we become true to the vision of the football he wants to play we're eventually going to have to find someone that fits that mold
2: yeah and hopefully hopefully we do whether it's whether it's Hart or Segrist or whoever it is we've We've struggled in the past, and I'm sure we will again in future. But whoever it is, we we hope they'll they'll match up to standard. Just before we finish off, I thought this was quite a fun question to finish it with. Ryan Kelly says, La- Laura Allen, Brian, and Jim, eight left in the World Cup now. Who do you want to win it, and who do you think will win it?" So I, I'm going to get nail my colours to the mast early. I think France will win it because I think they've been the strongest performers. I think Brazil are. Perform well in spades but it's got to be France for me but who I want to win it I'd just love Messi to, to lift it so if if Argentina could do it that would make my heart happy but my head says France um, Alan I'll come to you first, who do you
4: think? Oh, Crikey thanks, so I mean I've watched a lot of World <laughs> Cups I can't remember a last eight as strong as this in terms of I could make a case for every one of the last eight including Morocco, especially Croatia because they're just such a good tournament football team um, and Luka Modric is just a wondrous player um, I could make a case for any of them actually winning the tournament <laughs> If you know, not getting off the fence then having said all that who do I think is going to win it um, oh do you know I, 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 I do struggle with this, I, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% with you in that I want Argentina to win it I want Messi to win it, I want it to be the, his crowning glory, I am, a, I am an old romantic in that sense but you know that that guy has been consistently brilliant for, you know, seventeen year, eighteen years, performing at pretty much the same level year upon year upon year. And he's a good guy, you know, he's he's a, a nice person and a good professional and a and I just hope and he's the best player I will ever see in my life. Um, so yeah, I'd love that to happen. I just don't think the supporting cast is strong enough for Argentina, unfortunately. Um, I think Brazil and France, like you say, have been the standard out teams. Um, if I had to pick, though, do you know what? I, I, I do you know what? I do think Croatia could win it. So there, you I'm going to go a bit left field. I just well, think I'm, I'm... such a pragmatic. They've got such a mix between pragmatism, but the ability to strike as well with a good defence. I just, I, I think they could be a real surprise.
2: I've got to say, Alan, you'd have disappointed me if you hadn't said Croatia. I'm just surprised you didn't go as far as Morocco, but I I, I like it anyway.
4: <laughs> um, Give me another five minutes, yeah. <laughs> the the Bra- ultimate hipster choice, I think, is what you're
2: going to say. <laughs> Brian, I'll come to you next. Uh, who do you want to win it? Who do you think will win it? Are they the same person or different? Same team? Uh, No,
5: not. I, I would like Croatia to win it, actually, for similar reasons to, to Al's outline. Um also the selfie's perspective of having a World Cup winner, still playing for Celtic would be nice, but also I, I think Modric is, is one of the, the best ever. I think he's absolutely sensational. So I'd like to see them win it, but I think it will be probably, i want to say Brazil. I think, I, I, initially I chose France, but I think Brazil just look a bit on form. Portugal mm. good as well. Uh, I thought they, they, the midfields really really strong, but um, I'm going to say Brazil You win it, but I would like Croatia to win it.
2: Interesting. Jim?
3: Close it out for us. What, what are your nice concise answer. <laughs> nice concise answer. Nice concise answer from Alan. There that was about twenty minutes. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> you you'll be late for that funeral. Uh, head says France. Head says France. Heart says Argentina.
2: Heads. All right. Okay. Okay. So so. Let's, same as you. F-
3: well, same
2: as you. me. Fingers crossed. Anyway, we'll be. 48 hours away from, from finding out who the who the winner is this time next week and uh, best luck to all of them. And by the way, I'm counting McAllister scoring for uh, for Argentina as as a Scottish goal, which actually makes me laugh because the, the wonderful Derek Ray, who I've had some interactions with in the past, prides himself on uh, pronouncing his names correctly in the native tongue. But that did make me laugh when I heard them on the TV the other day saying McAllister there for, uh, mm. for Argentina, which I thought <laughs> did make me laugh a little bit. Um, but anyway, we shall see. It's been a fun one. Thank you very much, everybody, for watching. Thank you to Alan, to Brian and to Jim. And we will see you all again very soon for another Celtic State of Mind bulletin.